With service second to none, Fury Brothers Lincoln of Iowa City has been earning the business of customers in Johnson County and the surrounding areas since 2010. Fury Brothers Lincoln is a full-service dealership offering new Lincoln custom orders with a dedicated sales, service, and parts department. They are proud to be here for you. As a happy customer, the entire Deary staff was unbelievable to work with. They found the vehicles our family was looking for, and we will definitely be doing business with them in the future. Check out Deary Brothers Lincoln on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Deary Bros. Hello, and welcome to the Leave Your Legacy podcast, the podcast series where we will discuss how each and every one of us impact the world around us. I'm your host, Kenya Murray, and on today's episode, we have the epitome of hard work and betting on yourself, my friend and Iowa teammate, Daryl Moore. Daryl, thanks for joining us. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I think the, the best part about doing this podcast is, like we were discussing earlier, just giving people maybe a little bit of a glimpse of how you got to where you are. And one, you're a beloved Iowa basketball player. Um, you're a great teammate, kicked my butt a lot in practice. And I, it's like, Joe, hey, D, D today, like, like, calm down, man. Like, you really, you're going to make us, Coach Davis going to make us run today because of that. But, um, but I think your story is really, really unique in how you ended up in Iowa City. So from Chicago, like, like you know, tell our listeners, our viewers, like, where did like how did you end up at Iowa coming from sh- Chicago? So it's it's a very unique story, very interesting, and it's it's more interesting the older I get when I think back on it. So you know, playing basketball Chicago Public League had a pretty good career actually. Mm-hmm. Um, did well, led the conference in scoring and everything. Zero offers really. Wow, like zero. So I figured it was over. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna go to school. Uh, maybe I was thinking about going to trade school. I applied to a few colleges. You know, mm-hmm. my brother's been an electrician for 25 years. Right. You know, so thought about thought about doing that. So the the reason I applied to Iowa is because um, it was a day out of school. Yeah. yeah. So if you apply, you get to go on this one day trip <laughs> to the <laughs> University of Iowa. True story. You, you get to go yeah. on this trip. So me and some of my buddies like, yeah, let's let's apply. We're, we're, we're going to go. And we went and it was done. Had a good time. Yeah, and it was done. Orientation comes around summer. Hey, Daryl, we're going up to orientation. I'm like, ah, I'm good. Yeah, like you know, me and my brother, we're gonna go to this party at DePaul, and yeah. you know, we're gonna <laughs> hang out. So they go to orientation. <laughs> okay, come around again. Yeah. Well, we leave for school. You yeah. know, here in a couple of days. Yeah. Do you want to go? Wow. At that point, I'm like, oh, those options were kind, you know, yeah, kind of running out. So I, I, I talked to my mom. And she went and got me a trunk. We yeah. filled the trunk up. I still have the trunk to this day. People make fun of me. It's hilarious. Yeah. I got this big black trunk, like, like a treasure chest. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we filled it up. I hopped in a car with a buddy, and we drove up here. King, I had no classes. <laughs> Are you serious? No, so I was accepted. I accepted everything, my financial aid, everything. I had no classes. Yeah. My buddy who I came with, Donald, you know him. Yeah, yeah. We, um, he introduced me to his financial advisor. Yep. And he became my financial, not financial advisor, academic, academic advisor. advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he um, became my academic advisor. And that's how I got my class. I of my classes manually. Wow. Yeah, so I had no intentions of playing basketball. I thought it was over. Right. I had no idea what a walk-on was. Yeah. I had no idea about any of that stuff. I thought you had to be recruited. Yeah. And I, honestly, King, I didn't know how hard it was to get recruited until I started training kids. Right. Yeah. It's hard to play 
high level basketball or college basketball in general. Absolutely. And it, it, there's so much more now that's put on the kid and the parent too. And we can definitely get into how recruiting has changed for that. But like, you know, I know you grew up in the Robert Taylor homes, mm-hmm. right? And so what was it about growing up there that you were like, you know, I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta do better. Like, what was it that really like motivated you to, to do something bigger than maybe what you'd seen growing up around you? So for me, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted because as a kid, you know, you don't really know. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you don't know what you want. For me, it was what I didn't want. I didn't want to continue living that lifestyle Mm. and living in that type of environment. I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? but I knew I didn't want to be there. Right. And, you know, a lot of summers we were, um, my sister and I, we would go spend the summers with uh, my aunt and uncle in in the suburbs and things like that. And and I really liked it. Right. Like this environment is nice. Yeah. So I figured if I can get into an environment like that, then maybe I'm doing something to get out these. Cause I, I lived my life in fear. Yeah. Kenyon, I played basketball in fear. Yeah. Like I was literally told if you score another basket, I'm going to kick your, you know what? It's wow. by an adult. Wow. <laughs> you, know mean? Crazy. you know how many times we got chased out of gyms? I got an article in the Sun-Times. I was just showing somebody. I hit a buzzer shot against Inglewood. Mm. And it's for the conference championship. So we're rivals, basketball and gang-wise. Mm-hmm. You, we had to get a police escort out of there. Wow. That's wild. <laughs> and this is high school basketball. Well, I remember recruiting Chicago and like your the Chicago public school games were always at like the middle, like yes. like two thirty, three o'clock. They were all they were never in the evening. So yep. I always had to come in and 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 it's interesting because even as a recruiter, like I couldn't just go anywhere. Like I literally, you know, we know, you know, Mac Irvin, the godfather mm-hmm. of yeah. basketball in Chicago. Like I literally would call Mac and be like, Hey, I need, I want to come, you know, check this kid out. Like, am I good? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you good. And like, it was it, like you said, that kind of stuff I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, that, that's crazy. Um, and, and definitely something that people don't understand who mm-hmm. haven't been in the inner city and that kind of stuff too, man. But that's, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, so that that really shaped me just in terms of having no fear when it comes to playing. Like, physicality, that's Chicago basketball. Yeah. So that never, even though I was never a big guy, that part never, you can't back down there. Because right. I'm telling you, if you back down on the court, those consequences can lead to off the court, too. Right. Because right. what they say, if, if, if I can punk you, right? That's right. the word people yeah, use, yeah. right? Yeah. They'll punk you off the court, too. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, right, so it doesn't stop. <laughs> it, and it's crazy. Like, that's the one thing. And I know we're talking like old school stuff, but like, that's the one thing, like, I feel like even with Chris and Keegan, I feel like they missed out on because mm-hmm. that's where we learn how to play. Like, I remember when I first started playing basketball as a as an eighth grader, I sucked. Eighth I was grade? Yeah, eighth grade, dude. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, eighth, eighth grade. <laughs> I, I wanted to play my seventh grade year, but I had a hernia that needed surgery, so I didn't play. And then got into it my eighth grade year. And the crazy thing about that is I was coming off a broken leg. Like I had broke my ankle and I'm like, man, am I going to be healed? But yeah, I started playing in eighth grade and um, had a decent year. But then like, I'm like, okay, I want to be better. So I would go to the park yeah. and play with like, wait for the dudes to get off of work at five and yep. play against like 30 year, 40 year old dudes, man, <laughs> get my butt handed to me. But like, that's the one thing, like, like you're saying, like, you brought that to Iowa when you when you came as a walk on and, and really what got you noticed uh, mm-hmm. for that. But that's just wild, man. I think the kids you train 
you train kids now and it's like they don't understand what it yes. took for us to get to this point. And, and, and that's the thing. I, I, I try to teach what it takes. Kids come in and they say, hey, I want to play college ball or even further. I want to play division one ball. Mm. Right. And I and I say, hey. It takes a, the words I use. They want dogs. Right. They don't want soft players. They want toughness. Mm-hmm. They want dogs. They want people that can rebound through tough times. So if you make a mistake or something doesn't go your way, how are you going to rebound from that? Mm-hmm. How are you going to react to that? And they want people with heart. It's not all about talents. A lot of people with talent would not heart and, and, and don't have heart. So I, I try to, because I've been there, fortunately I've been there. Luckily I've been there. Yeah. I try to explain to them a lot of times what it takes to get there. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's tough. A lot of times it has to do with exposure. I didn't have that exposure. Yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons why, I wasn't recruited out of high school because I didn't have that exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't play AU ball. I didn't, I didn't do any camps. I just showed up for my high school games and, and that's it. And, you know, played around the city, which yeah, is yeah. another a whole other <laughs> deal. Yeah, yeah. But the talent level there was yeah. really high. Yeah. Like, yeah, even in that, like you said, playing around the city, like you had to like pick and choose where you yes. probably went and played pickup ball at, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that's, and you probably rolled pretty deep. So, so for, <laughs> so, it's interesting. so for me, so where I grew up in the Robert Taylor homes, it's a lot of basketball players. There. Right. I mean, high schools recruited there all the time. High okay. School, right? Okay. Recruited. Yeah. So if, if the kids from my neighborhood stayed in my neighborhood, King, and we'd be, we have some state championships. At yeah. my high school. <laughs> but everybody came in. King came in. Simeon came in. Whitney Young came in and they took all, all those players out. Wow. So we had talent there, but we had a lot of, there's some old school guys. Frankly, we, we had some drug dealers too. Mm-hmm. So, they would just take us around the city and say they knew the spots where to go because it's not like we would go by ourselves. They right. knew where to go. Right. So right. they would take us there and, and 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 we would play. But, no, you couldn't go anywhere to yeah. play. You have to know somebody. Bro, you just – like it's, it's crazy. Like I, 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 lo- I, I love you. Like I genuinely love oh, yeah. you. Like we've been friends. The comment you just made about drug dealers, yeah. same thing in B.C., in Battle mm-hmm. Creek where I was from, right? Like a lot of my teammates – were wrapped up into that stuff. Mm-hmm. I showed that I had potential to get out of there. And literally it was, it was a couple of drug dealers was like, yo, like nobody will mess with you. Like yep. I got your back. <laughs> you know, there might've been some cash exchange yep. here yep. or there for some shoes or this, that, and the other thing. But, yeah. but those are like, like we talk about like OGs in the neighborhood. It's like, okay, they can see like, okay, this kid's yep. got it. And, and I think there's a, that's really like how, a lot of us stayed safe, mm-hmm. how a lot of us got through it, you know, when our family struggled financially, you know, when I needed something like those were the dues, like, even though they, they might've been doing things that were illegal, but they mm-hmm. did look out for the young bloods coming up. And, and yeah, dude, I, that, 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 that's a story that I can yeah. talk about all the time. All day because nobody bothered me and my brother. Mm. And just like you said, Hey, don't mess with these guys, yep. you know? And, and, and because of that, I can go, or me and my brother, we can go to a bunch of different areas and neighborhoods mm. to play. Yeah, because you know we were ball players. We were doing something positive. We were doing good in school. Yeah, and you know we were fairly, you know, good kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, because yeah, you're. I mean, that's the thing too. Don't let it get twisted. You're a good. You're a good student too. I yeah. mean, one of the reasons why when you applied, you got in Iowa. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, you, you you had it going on. So, so yeah. So let's let's go back to how you were. Found because I remember uh, before you joined the great team, we we would always go. Well, we probably would have gotten in trouble if Co- Coach yeah. Davis knew, <laughs> but we would go over and play at the. I mean, the field house was like 
like it was i think sports illustrator la- labeled it like the best pickup I basketball game i remember that on, on campus and we would go after practices yep. to go over and play and everybody like like talking about daryl like you okay like you and then you see you flying through the air dunking on somebody <laughs> or whatever it's like yo like yeah he needs to play so who was it that that came to you and and kind of got you to and i mean convinced you to come out for the the gray squad so it's interesting uh, Rick Moss was a coach. Yep. Um, you played for Rick. Yep. And so it was some guys there. Jim Bartles was there. There's a few other guys. I, I forget who was there, but I know for sure Jim was there. And Rick came to me after, you know, at the fair house, you're sitting around, you, you know, you're shooting the breeze, you're talking stuff. And he's like, introduced himself to me mm. and said, hey, if you can play like this for, you know, no stakes on the table. Yeah. He's like, just imagine what you can do if you play you know, for something. Yeah. He's like, I think you can play for us. And and he meant as a, in a walk-on capacity, right, right. Which, but that's the way he framed it. Right. He's like, I think you can play for us because of the effort I was given. And, I mean, I tell my kids all the time, I gave the best effort. I gave my best effort no matter, the field house didn't matter to me. Right. I, I gave the same effort in the field house that I gave in Car- Carver Hawkeye Arena. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he saw. But this is what I didn't know. So he's the one that approached me, but Jim Bartles is the one that sent him over to me. Oh, gotcha. And Jim told me that, that story later. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy, man. You were, yeah. I, I, and Michelle jokes about this too, because like when I was playing, I haven't played in about six years, but when I was playing, she's like, every game is like the national championship. Like you play so hard and, <laughs> dah, 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 and you play through injury and there's nothing on the stake, but it's like, that's how we, that's yep. how you always play. That's how yep. you were brought up. You know, you, you had to bring it every single time. And even though my, my body couldn't do what my mind wanted mm-hmm. to do, I still tried to do it. But I know I, I heard stories. You still be getting into people and <laughs> Dean them up full court, according to Tristan. She's like, he's like, Oh, he picking me up full court. So you, you, you got the luxury. You could still ball. So, uh, I'm not in that space, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I remember you coming on and being a walk on being a, what we call the gray team. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't easy because we were beating up on you guys. Like basically mm-hmm. you were, you know, practice dummies for yeah. us and, and for, lack of a better term, but we had some talented kids or kids. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like I'm old, which I am, but <laughs> you know, we had some talented guys on that team where a number of you probably could have played mm-hmm. division one somewhere else yep. and, and got minutes. So like, don't get it twisted. You guys were, were good and you would give it to us some days, but what was, what was the, I guess the worst part of being a great teamer? Um, obviously, you saw the best part of it too, but like what those early, those first couple of years, like what were your, how did you feel about being on the great so, team? <laughs> so it, it was two different phases. My first phase was when I made it, I was, I was really happy to be there. Mm. Cause like I said before, I thought it was over, you know, basketball organized was over. So I was really, really happy to be there. So after a while, after, you know, I grew a little bit in college. Mm-hmm. I grew a couple inches. I, I put on about 25 pounds. I've never lifted before until I got to Iowa because yeah. our coach wouldn't let us lift in high school. So I put on a little weight. I got a little taller. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, I can play, I can play with these guys. Yeah. Because when I got there, I, I wasn't ready. And I was talented, but you guys were way, you know, I, I was nowhere near your level. You guys were worried better. I wasn't ready. But I got to a point where I was ready, mm. and I wasn't happy to be there, and frustration started just set in. Yeah. And – it didn't matter if the frustration set in because you're not going to play anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Not, yeah. No, no, no liking him. I forget which walk on it was. He was a veteran walk on. He said he would put Russ Millard at the five at the point guard before he played you. 
<laughs> and so, and that was the walk-ons mentality is, right. dude, you're not, Kenyon, it was days I was on a bench of a game yeah. with no uniform under under my walk-on. <laughs> For real? So how do you think you get, no, I got my practice, I got my practice jersey on under my warm-up. <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. So even wow. If, if we blow the team out by 30, I'm still not getting in. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's you funny. probably didn't know that. I did not know that. Well, you no. didn't know that because we were in a separate locker room. Oh, that's true too. Did you, yeah, that is. So oh think about God. think about that. Where that, were you at? Where was that locker room? It was. It was like kind of like. It was right down the, the hall from yeah. the regular locker room. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of like a bathroom. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And so, that, yeah. so that's the, that's the hard part. One, it was a, it was a separation. Yeah, like you know you're different from these guys. Right, right. You know you're different, and yeah, you get beat up on every day. Yeah. And here's another thing, Kingan. Because it's a great team, it was guys that rode the bench in practice. That's true. Think about that. We were deep. Like, yes. I think <laughs> at one point, I think, did we have at least like eight or nine people? Uh, great teamers? Yeah. King, I bet it was 15 when I got there. And it starts to tailor off. Yeah. Right? But yeah. It was a lot of guys. It was a lot. So you're fighting, for, you're fighting for time in practice. Think about that. That's crazy. So, and that's another reason why I had to bring it. I had to bring it. I had to bring it. Because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be here and ride the bench in practice. Right. I, I mean, it's already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a little pride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and that's that's what's interesting is, like, now you see, like, you know, there's one or two walk-ons or something yep. like that on, exactly. the, on the roster. Exactly. But, um, but, yeah, no. But so tell me about um, – I'm going to go back to this because I remember you were with us. When we – my senior year, we were in uh, – Alaska, yep. great Alaska shootout. Yep. So we made a pretty good run. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. I remember, I don't know why this is in my head. <laughs> Maybe because I kind of watched some clips the other day, but uh, Kingsbury went bananas against UConn. Yeah, Ray and, Allen. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I remember like when we beat him, like you were the one person I, got, I remember seeing, <laughs> like raising your hands, like, yeah, like it would, but that's how, I mean, but at that point in time, like you'd been there a couple years yep. and, you know, you were part of, you were part of our yeah. team. Like you were, we knew like you were one of the best players mm-hmm. in the gym all the time. But I think, you know, coach did a good job um, rewarding you guys. Like when yeah. you played well and stuff like that, but, he did. but uh, so tell me about your first time you got thrown into the fire. Maui, I think your junior year, right? Yep. Junior year, Maui players hurt players sick. And what was that feeling when coach Davis was like, Yo, you're going in. Cause I, did you start that game? Did you start? No, I start the next the game. The next game, yeah. okay. Cause cause Jess ended up getting hurt in that game. I think that was against Cal, right? Yes. Yeah, against yeah. Cal. Yeah. <laughs> I never played in the first half. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So what I say outside when we before we started, that I was meant to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the last guy to get to make the Maui trip, right? Yeah. And we get there so because the locker rooms are so small. You remember, yeah. we had to get dressed at the hotel, right? Yep. And so we get we we go down at, to the hotel and we meet in a room that we're supposed to meet, and then <laughs> Bowen and McCoslin both get this freak heart deal. I have no idea. Yeah. So they can't even go to the game. Oh wow! No, they didn't even go. So we're down two starters there. Yeah. First half, Settles gets hurt. So. I guess I was the only one left, King. <laughs> so I got in, King. And I, I've never, I don't, I've never played in the first half, dude. I was, I was nervous. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I, yeah. obviously, I was nervous, but like, like I say all the time, defense 
and effort, yeah, those are controllable. Yeah. And that's all I was thinking about. Control your effort and control, you know, what you do on defense. Because obviously my job is not to go in there and score a lot of points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So it was. Neither was mine because of who I played with. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to wait for you to leave anyway, yes. so I didn't have a chance anyway. Oh, shoot. No, but I never played in the first half. And, yeah, I started out the. I had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at. I was looking it up. You did. You played well, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, oh, so a little nerves. But then the next game you start. Yeah, I did. I started, and um, I'm gonna tell you what. Like Andre Woolrich helped me out a lot because Andre and I, you know, always good, been good friends. When he red shirt and I was a walk on, mm-hmm. spent a lot of time together working yeah. out, and um, he really. He really helped me get through that process mm-hmm. of you know trying to fix because because it's a totally different mentality, you know, when yeah. when you're playing and when you and when you're starting. And Kenyon, I did my first interview after a game, my first post game interview. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm getting my first minutes. Why am I up here yeah. at the podium? Yeah. So I think I was more nervous then <laughs> than actually going <laughs> yeah, to the game. Actually going to the game. Like, uh, what do I say? Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it was cool though. Yeah, no, and I, you know, it, it's it's but it's but here's the thing too. We always tell players as a coach and as a trainer, like you always have to be prepared, mm-hmm. right? Yep. We say, you know, there's I'm not really sure where this quote came from. It says, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Exactly. And because of your mentality of, one, fighting for minutes for in practice, yep. right, to, to make sure that you are always out there, to now you're thrust into this role of starter, mm-hmm. like, that's the, that's the epitome of that. So, so the crazy thing is, even though I, everybody, everybody thought, yeah, you would never play, that never resonated with me. Right. I always thought I had a chance to play. Yeah. I always thought I had the chance to play, whether it happened or not. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I thought it in, into existence, but I just always felt that it would be a chance. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at the time. King, if, if I get in with two minutes left, yeah. I'm in there, I'm trying to get a dunk. Where yeah, everybody's right. trying to pass yeah. the ball around and, you know, now I'm like, I'm trying to get it. And I got dunks as a walk-on, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's where I'm going. That's, yeah. that's where I'm going. So, um, I, I always thought I would have a chance, but I didn't know I would actually get a chance. Yeah, yeah. And you were key that year. And then obviously going into finishing up that year, you were able to earn a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So how 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 did that happen? Like, how did coach tell you? And, and what did you feel when once you got uh, awarded the, the scholarship? So 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 that's another story. So part, <laughs> part of the thing, let me go back real quick. When I started playing in Maui, I didn't have my name on my jersey. Right. <laughs> yeah. They were like, like, who, who, who is this kid? Right. You know, right. who is this kid? Yeah. Four guys and an unknown. Yeah. <laughs> an unknown guy, which, which, which is crazy, right? Yeah. So I had, I had a good year that year, and, and Coach Davis came in mid-year or something like that or, and was like, um, he pulled me and another guy in there. He said, okay, I got a scholarship. I can give it to one of you guys now and then the other guy the next year. Mm-hmm. And when he talked to me, he said, and I know it's a cliche term, but I never heard it before. He told me, he said, a bird in the hand beats two in the bush. Mm-hmm. I never heard that. Right, right, right. I was like, right, what right. the hell that yeah, mean? Yeah. Said, Coach, Coach Davis, what's Coach that? Coach Davis isms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, At that yeah. point in my life, I never heard it. Yeah. Basically, he was telling me to take it now. Yeah. So I took it. And then next year, I ended up getting it again. Yeah. So cool. it was good to take that bird in the hand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, he just pulled me to the side and was like, hey, here's the opportunity. And I, I couldn't wait to call home. Yeah. Absolutely couldn't wait um, to call home. I'm like, 
man, I get gear now. I get to go to training table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> the little things. like the, the little thing. I get, yeah. you know, I was already in the locker room. Even as I walk on, I eventually made it to the locker room. But yeah. that was a goal too, Kenyon. Yeah. Even to get in the locker room. That's crazy, man. <laughs> and, and I think back, like, I know, like, there's been a lot of things that's changed in my life. And I know sometimes it's like, you're so oblivious to all this other stuff going on, you know, because we're in our own world. And, and that was part of it, like, really not understanding what, you guys went through as, you know, great team members. Um, but the fact was you guys brought it every day. Mm -hmm. Like that's the one thing that I can always say is like whoever was on the team, whether they were active in practice or not, like you guys made us better yep. every day. And, and that was definitely appreciative. And, and obviously, you know, coach, you know, people ask me what kind of person he is. And I think, you know, was he always the hardest on us? Probably not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I think he always had a a pulse of the team because mm -hmm. um, I talked about how he got us through the Chris Street uh, accident, mm -hmm. and I don't know if anybody else could do that, but I felt like Coach always had a, a good pulse on the team, and mm -hmm. and and yeah, just tried to connect with us in, in different ways. I always say I tell people Coach Davis is a very intelligent guy. Yes, so he's not the screamer or the yeller or the curser. Uh, I think I might have heard him curse one time. You know, no, his curse word was the P word, and his voice would go about 10 octaves higher. It's like, you guys are a bunch of... Oh, my gosh. And so, I know, yeah, he would, wouldn't he? Yeah. And so that's the thing. He was he was so intelligent. He knew, he knew how to get through guys mm -hmm. and get the most out of guys, probably more than probably a lot of people would. Yeah. Psychologically. Absolutely. That's, I think that's why practice was, was so hard, because he knew how to get out of most people more than they could get up on their yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. And I think he he made us grow because, like, you realize, like, when Coach was here, like, conditioning wasn't mandatory. Nope. And I remember coming in my sophomore year, and I was like, because I was asking about what are we doing for conditioning? He's like, oh, mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't condition. So I remember going into Coach's office for my preseason meeting. I was like, Coach, like, we got to make conditioning, you know, mandatory. He's like, no. He goes, Kenyon, if you want to be a good player, great player. And you'll do the work to get you, you know, get you there. I'm, I'm the coach. Like I, I coach this team. Mm -hmm. I put us in an offense and the defense. But if you want to reach that level, like you have to put in the time. And I was like, see stuff like that is makes what I'm sense. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. That totally makes sense because I remember freshman year, like it was like and you probably saw it too. First day of practice as a as a great team or two. Oh my, we jump right into the press. Oh my like, goodness. It's like yes. if you ain't in shape. Ken, I went right to bed. I went right to bed after those practice, those first two weeks. Yeah. And I didn't wake up until practice again. Because yeah. <laughs> it wore you out right away. He jumped yeah. right into it. Yeah. And he told me, so what I remember from the conditioning part, from what he was saying, it's like we, we get our conditioning in practice. Yeah. yeah. Is, 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 is what. So it's funny because as we coach, I coach the same way. Yeah. Because now I'm like, well, I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to run them for the sake of running. Yep. We're going to get our conditioning and practice. And yeah. that's the way he did it. And guess what I did after practice, Kenyon? What's that? I ran the stairs at Carver. Oh, dude. People don't know about that one. <laughs> they do not know about run. Oh, my gosh. That was the worst. But at least we didn't have it as bad as the wrestlers. They used to carry a, a wrestler of the similar weight up the stairs. That was unbelievable. Yeah, dude. Unbelievable. Well, we know they're a different breed, yeah. but oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. But no, I, I yeah, I, you're, you're so right about, about, uh, about Coach Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, so your legacy, I think, is in this community. Um, you, you mentioned it, too, like your coaching kids, your training kids. So 
everybody, you know, your number was 45. Mm -hmm. So you uh, have your own facility, mm -hmm. your own training program, Court 45. Like, how did that come about? Because you and I both were in the medical sales yep. field and you did that for a long time. You were very successful in that. Mm -hmm. So what what made you want to start Court 45? So for me, it came down to what my passion was. So even though I was in a medical field for a long time, after a while, I started to realize I liked it. It was good to me. Mm -hmm. It was good to me and my family. The, the industry was good and, and I was good at it. But it came down to, OK, what's my passion? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was coaching. You know, I coach my kids and you know how it is. Yeah. And a few people started asking me, hey, do you train? You know, because I was developing some teams. You know, I took a couple of teams from not good to. Yeah. And so it was like, do you train? I was like, no, but I, you know, I'll train your kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it really just kind of started that way. And I started to like it. Mm. And then I was like, well, I'm getting kind of tired of this corporate, this corporate thing. And it was really more of a passion thing. Yeah. And then I realized that I could make a living doing it. And then I was working my corporate job. And right after that, I was putting in some long days. Yeah. And I was going right to training. And so I, and then I was able to make the transition but it was more following my passion. I wish I would have found it earlier, but I, I don't know if I would have had one, the business acumen. Right. I mean, being in the medical field really taught me how to run a business. Yeah. Yep. And treat customers and, and, and talk to, you know, take care of your people. So that's really how the transition happened. It's not something that I was thinking about my, my entire life. Mm -hmm. It just happened one day, King. And I was like, Hey, this is a thing. And 45 took a life of his own. King, yeah. that wasn't my number. Yeah. It was a walk-on number. Yeah, right, right, right. It was a walk-on number that we rotated. Yeah. And when I was able to choose my own number, I, I just kept it. Yeah. I kept it, and people started calling me 45, and it just kind of took a life of its own. So, like, yeah. and when I started, I didn't want my name to be behind even though I want my name to be behind it. I wanted it, like, we talk about more than basketball. Right, right. I wanted to be bigger than me, even though it says 45, but I just wanted to be this, this, this place that's not – Daryl. Right. You know, right. Yeah. And, and you've done a good job because you brought in other trainers. Mm -hmm. Obviously we know Trishan yep. was, who's now the player development coach for Iowa. He yep. was, he was training with you as well, but you really have grown it. I mean, it was, you know, you started training at, I mean, North Liberty, you're in the gyms, yeah. North Liberty rec center and yep. things like that. And now you got your own building and maybe someday a bigger one, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, like right now, like how many, how many kids do you think, let's say, that you're training or come through your, your doors. So as a cycle, obviously not all that King, we got hundreds. We, we literally have hundreds of kids that, that come through there between lessons, camps and teams. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard to count. That's crazy. It, it, it really is. And, and we stay busy. People talk about the cycles of the season, the season cycle. And basically what cycles is, the, the kids that we see because right. some kids you know a lot of kids play different sports yeah but we, we 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 stay pretty steady throughout the year and it's been a blessing to have guys like Tristan and Barry and Cam mm -hmm. because they have the same philosophy that I have just in terms of taking care of the kids yeah I mean that's really what it comes King I took a pay cut to to do this I, right. I'm not doing this for the money right right right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean obviously right. I have to pay my bills but I do this because that's my passion and Honestly, my whole life, I never knew what my passion was. Yeah. And now that I know what it is, I can safely, I can proudly say I'm, I'm good at this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am. It's, it's, it's my calling. And 
now that I understand that, I'm like, I want people to find their calling because nobody, nobody can tell me different that I'm not good at this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and you're absolutely right. Cause I, that passion part, like I used to tell Michelle, like, like I, I same thing. I had success in the, in the mm-hmm. medical field in the corporate world, but I was like, always saying like, this isn't my passion. This isn't mm-hmm. my passion. Like, um, and I think that hampered me probably from moving ahead faster in the corporate world. Um, but, but once I embraced the fact that, cause I was like, I, I'm supposed to be a coach. I'm supposed to be a coach. Yep. What I had to embrace is the fact that coaching doesn't all, isn't always on the basketball floor. Coaching can yes. be in yes. the corporate world. It can be with your teammates. And once yep. I embraced that, like, um, one, I mean, my, my career took off, you know, and I became a regional manager at Henry yeah. Schein and all this kind of stuff. And, um, but I think like you were saying, things come in stages and you said, maybe I wouldn't have been ready to yep. jump into this, you know, if yep. I had done it prior. I also say the same thing. I look at mine as like Chris and Keegan, like I was able to be there for them to help them to get to the point they are now. Exactly. And so I just look at it like God, had me where I needed to be at that time. It may not have always sat well with Michelle, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> which I know that for sure, <laughs> but it was where I needed to be uh, in order to be there for my kids and, yep. and those kind of things. So I, I, I love that. And your passion is growing into, like you said, hundreds of kids yeah. and families. And yep. yeah, man, I, I mean, I couldn't be prouder of you, uh, you with that. So it's, it's great, but you, you are, you, you're, you're a family man. Um, yeah. I got to get into this a little bit too, because you've, Pledged a frat uh-huh. when you were in college. Yep. I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, and I had people, and I, I don't know if you t- talked to me. I know I had a, I know J-Mo talked to yep. me about it a couple of times, but I always felt like, man, I'm so busy. Like the basketball team is my frat. Like, yeah. so how was that coupled with, okay, not only are you going to school, you're a walk on and now you're pledging. Like what was the draw to that? And what has being in your fraternity meant? to you over all these years? Yeah, so so my fraternity, Cap Alpha Psi mm-hmm. um, Incorporated, is is a fraternity that I joined when I was in college. And it, it's another one of those things that I didn't know much about in high school. Because, you know, I grew up, nobody really went to college. Yeah. So I didn't understand that part of it. But, but when I got here, I started to interact with, you know, a lot of those guys. And and, and basically, that's really what it come down to. Because I, I really didn't have a goal to, to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I did it. The interesting thing is, Doing it at the same time as like basketball and, and being a student, it made me really um, prioritize my time. Mm-hmm. So you look at it like I was really busy, Kenyon. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I, I was busy, but and maybe that's the way I operate now because I operated better when I was busy. Mm-hmm. You know, because my time was more scheduled and it was less time to procrastinate. Yeah. So one thing that that did for me going through that time where I had to manage my time and I was really busy. So it, it was exhausting, both mentally and physically, and I'm trying to play basketball. That's why after that, after I finished that process in school and everything, King, I, I, I literally said there's nothing that I can do. Yeah. Because being so cool. tired is not, like, I don't even know if I've ever said that. Oh, I'm too tired to do this. Yeah. Because of the schedule that I've had to do, I've, I've went on two hours of sleep. Yeah. Right? So when somebody says I'm tired, like, I'm like, Okay. <laughs> and, and you would never hear me say that. So if I'm there, you're going to get the full deal yeah. as much as I can get. So as far as the fraternity goes afterwards, it, it's just the lifelong bond that, that, that we have. Actually, we do a lot of community service and things like that, but you can get that 
in a bunch of different ways. Right. So the lifelong bond that that I have with with, with, with our fraternity brothers has been probably more of a blessing now than it was when I was in college. Yeah. And the thing is, and I tell people, it's not for everybody. It's not something that, um, I don't know if it's a personality thing. I don't really know what it is. I always say this. My brother couldn't have done it because mm-hmm. that he was like, he wouldn't have been interested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's just how it breaks down. Some people are interested in that stuff and some people aren't. And that's just the way it is really with anything. But I tell you what, it's really made me um, understand the limits that I can do um, in terms of getting things accomplished yeah. and just in terms of like uh, relationship building and, and networking. That's probably one, been one of the biggest things for me. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, there's so many positives that do come out of it. I think when you talk about, you know, meaning more to you now than it did in college, I, I think one thing we have to realize is sometimes that, I mean, your circle of friends is going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how, you know, what your kids are doing and yep. I, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But I think, like you said, you have a bond with people that have gone through the same thing you did yep. in order to be a part of the fraternity. But then too, you can pull on the life experiences of mm-hmm. all of your brothers too. Exactly. And you know, we need that. And I think, mm-hmm. I think as I look at it, probably fraternity brothers probably might be a little bit more open and vulnerable with each other than say Mm -hmm. Joe Schmo, like I'm friends with this guy down the street. I'm not going to do that, but you're able to share those experiences. And I think that's a cool thing too, because I think more men need to be vulnerable and be willing to have different conversations with other men because we bottle stuff up. Like that's just what we do. Yep. So that's honestly, that's probably one of the biggest things that I get now is those crucial or vulnerable conversations that I have. And maybe because we're older, we're more open to having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's that's one of the biggest things now is that is being more vulnerable and 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 open and honest and getting to know each other better. You know, um, Andre Ward's we're in the same. Yeah, yeah. Andre Ward is, yeah. is in a fraternity, our fraternity as well. And and that was part of you know we talked about when he was red shirting and I was a walk on. We spent a lot of time together, and yeah. he was one of the reasons why I joined the fraternity too. I was like, oh. Yeah. Dre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like I said, I knew I had no prior knowledge, but once I saw Dre and a couple other guys, I'm like, Oh, this, this might be for me. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how I became interested, but I, but it's one of the best decisions I, I've ever made because I learned so much about myself. Yeah. No, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. And I think never to get lost in everything that we do is our family and, yeah. and oh. you, you, you are a family man. Uh, I think, yeah, but I, you know, you got your, you at seven, six, six, six kids. You got two grandkids. That's what I want to yeah. ask about because I'm about to become a grandfather too. Oh, so congrats, yeah, congrats. yeah, Demetrius and, and Maddie yeah. are, are due in, in January. Oh, but, wow. Congrats. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how does it feel? Because, I mean, we look, you know, like, we're still yeah, young. Exactly. You're still young, but, you know, yeah. be, but you're a grandpa. So, I mean, when you found out you were becoming a grandpa, like, I mean, just kind of take us through the emotions and what I, you felt. I would tell you what, it was the weirdest feeling that I, it was, it was weird. Cause I, like you said, I'm like, I'm too young for this. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, honestly, it wasn't an exciting feel. I'm like, Oh, shucks. I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't sound right. Right. You know what I mean? It didn't, it, well, it didn't sound right. But once I got it under me, I'm like, Oh my goodness, man, this, this is the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. King, and it's dude, you're going to love it. Yeah. You're going to absolutely love it. But I mean, if anybody knows me, they know that being a dad is probably, not probably it's it's my greatest joy. It's the best thing that I've ever done. It's the thing that I get the most joy out of. Mm-hmm. 
having a grandbaby is kind of like starting that over. Because yeah. once they get old teenagers, they don't want to be around you. They, you know, they yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> but then you get to start that over. But then you get to give them back. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, I, yeah, I love that. I love that. So, yeah, dude, that's that's awesome. So you have KJ and Layla, Layla right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how old is Layla? So Layla is five, or she's about to turn five. Yeah. And she just started oh, for preschool to kindergarten. I'm a bad grandparent. And, 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 uh, and, K, and KJ is eight months, almost nine months, and they're okay. both in Minneapolis. Yeah. And they are and by two different daughters, but they just happen to both be in Minneapolis. Yeah. And And they are awesome. Yeah, I mean they are like KJ's. He's he's close to walking, and Layla just knows everything. She's yeah. talking, and like it's it's it's, it's the best thing. And, and because we're here in in Iowa City, and they're in Minneapolis, we try not to go. Shauna says no longer than six weeks without seeing them. So we yeah. see them quite a bit, whether we go up there or we meet in Mason City. Yeah, and, that's cool. You know, so but I'm telling you, it's, it's a I love it. That's Absolutely awesome. love it. That's awesome. Layla looked like she got a little attitude, but she cute as up. Yeah. She is well, so that's cute. what helps her get away with it because, <laughs> because she she she's she's feisty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's so cute, man. I saw some I saw some pictures on Facebook. It's, oh, yeah, yeah she's she she's adorable. Um, so man, like you know, this conversation has has been phenomenal. Um, obviously, you know, our listeners and our viewers will get a, a you know, no get to know Daryl more a little bit more. Yeah. But you know, I want to ask, like, so what does legacy mean to you? Right. I think yeah. we all have a little bit different, but, but, you know, I guess, I guess that's the question. Yeah. Like what is, what is, what is legacy to you? So, so for me, I kind of, I, I kind of thought about it a little bit. Actually, I kind of, I kind of wrote it down a little bit. So yeah. for me, and I, I'm just going to kind of read it. I, I hate reading stuff when we're having a conversation, but I just want to, so legacy to me is leaving a positive mark and making your loved ones proud of the person you are and the things that you've accomplished. Mm. And I think, amen. And so I think when I let's say when I go back home to Chicago, that's a totally different legacy than I have here. When I go back, King and Dara, they are so proud of me. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's the craziest thing. Like they are so proud of me. And then when I come here and then, you know, you know, guys like you and, you know, the, 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 the community where sometimes you don't know until people some people say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't really know the mark you leave, you know, the impact you make. And you, you, and you've been, you know, actually we've been talking about that today and you've been very complimentary and, but you really don't know until somebody tells you, like I work with all these kids, King. Yeah. Teenagers don't talk. Kids don't, you know, yeah. but I talk to the parents, Yeah, I talk to the community. And so for me, legacy is just leaving that mark in a positive way. And I, I just want to be, and I wrote this down too. I got, I got, I got a few things. I got five down here. Yeah that um, that I want to be remembered by at least five. Okay. <laughs> so I want to be, I want to, I want to be known as a good person. I try to be the best person I can be. Yeah. I want to treat people the right way. It doesn't matter who you are. I, you know, yeah, go through, treat people the way you want to be treated. Okay. I want to be a great father and I, you know, hopefully I'm doing a, you know, a yeah, good job at I think that. You're doing all right, brother. I think <laughs> you're doing you, all right. <laughs> I want to be known as a hard worker. Yeah. Right. Um, and I want to be known as being dependable. I want to know that, hey, if 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 Daryl says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Yeah. And if he doesn't, he he's going to let you know. Right. So yeah. I want to be known as being dependable and just being a loyal person. So if I can do those five things, then I feel like I can leave a good legacy. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, because you are and the, the the thing that I go back to with all of that is that was shaped in before you came to Iowa, that's, yep. that's you, you started to forge that at that young age. You didn't know 
that it would turn into this, mm -hmm. but you've been on that path to get here and the path forward is going to be incredible as well. Because I talk to parents mm -hmm. whose kids you train mm -hmm. and you know, I just talked to a family a couple of weeks back and they said that was the best decision we made was to go to and train with Daryl. Wow. Even though they're like basketball is not their yep. main sport. They're like, he has been a godsend. Like, <laughs> like the kids, like they get excited to come work out with that's you. Cool. And that's what they wanted because the one thing that I talk about with Chris and Keegan is they always have balance. Mm -hmm. You know, in today's age with every, most parents believe that their kid's going to be, yeah. you know, the next Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. But the reality is most of them won't. And mm -hmm. so, but to have their kids um, do something, uh, put their heart and soul into it, and then love it more because of the person that yep. is training them. Like, I know that's what this family feels about you. And so, yeah. um yeah, if anybody's if anybody's looking for a great trainer, Court Forty Five, Daryl Moore. Uh, Thank you. Phenomenal, phenomenal. That's so pretty cool. So I got a couple of rapid fire questions for you. First one: If you need a sweet, something sweet, what is your go to? Oh my goodness, Kenya! It's funny that you would ask me that because I don't, I don't, I don't have a sweet tooth. Can okay. I substitute? Yeah, you can substitute. <laughs> the yellow bag of Lay's potato chips. Oh, the, so, like the, ori the, the original, the plain Jane, yeah, Lay's yellow bag. <laughs> you, you probably eat a whole one in one sitting, oh, could you? <laughs> I got to put it in a bowl so I don't eat the whole bag. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm the same way. I just, I just go get chips too and throw them in a bowl and I can go to town. I got them. like six bags of chips open in my pantry right now. Yeah. Shana hates it. Oh my gosh, you got the chip clips though. <laughs> well, I break them though. <laughs> we need some good solid. If anybody there um, is is a, um, invent things, invent a better chip clip. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. I I like that. I like that. So, uh, chicken, burger, or steak? Oh, <laughs> I'm too. If it's fried chicken wings, yeah, it's chicken all day. But <laughs> yeah. if not, because I don't want to eat that too much, yeah, steak. Okay, gotcha. a good New York strip is is yeah, I'll me all day. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that one. All right, last one. So you're on a deserted island. Yep. You can take one person. And you can take one thing. What would those What would those be? Or who Who would it be? And what would you bring? So, I, I would definitely take Shauna. I, I, I would take I, I would take my wife. Uh, we actually get along pretty pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I would take her, and I gotta have music. So whether that's a form of a stereo or headphones, probably yeah. stereo if I'm on a on an island because yeah. I want to play it loud. Gotcha. And give me y'all take Shauna, and I'll take a. I'll take I'll take my stereo system. Oh, that's unless awesome. you were talking about somebody famous. No, 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 no. Whatever, no. It's all on you. Whatever you want. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's that's a good answer. And then when she gets mad at me, I just go to the other side of the aisle. <laughs> take the stereo <laughs> with take you. The stereo with me. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I just want to thank my guy Daryl Moore for coming in for joining me today. I want to leave you with a quote from uh, Shannon Adler: "Carve your name on hearts, not tombstones." A legacy is etched into the minds of others and the stories they share about you. Please go to Talk About Network uh, on YouTube, subscribe, give us a like, and you can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kenyon Murray. Until next time. This podcast is sponsored by Storyline Multimedia. Storyline is an Iowa City-based media company that specializes in creating high-quality video, photo, and audio productions for local businesses. Not only that, but they also produce a number of podcasts, including this one. 
So if you're interested in sharing the story of your business with the world, contact them today by visiting storylinemultimedia.com. And remember, your story matters.